0: I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb. let anybody come in here you know all right pal good to see
2: you i know how you
0: good to see you yes sir good to see you
2: uh, i'm all right you and
0: the beat goes on by the way it's not all mine they send it up from the building every christmas so whatever kind of chocolate if you like chocolate it's there mm-hmm. <laughs> all kinds of chocolate i
3: love it someone's gonna try one first you, <laughs> <laughs> the what, what, pope? I can't wait. He's you know the pope. You set me up like that, bro. No, no he's trying to say right, you're trying to poison up. him. I
0: need ten minutes. You know what I love about this, <laughs> I need Donnell?
3: Ten sit, in.
0: Here's what I love for people who aren't watching this on uh, on the uh, on YouTube.
3: Oh, we're live. Uh, Donnell we're, turns. I'm late live.
0: Donnell turns to the one black man and said, you try it first. <laughs>
3: yeah, I did. You did. But his, the reason why, because his eyes were more engaging and his eyes <laughs> spoke more truth. All right, his eyes had more truth. And when I said that statement, everybody looked sideways, so I didn't trust anybody. But the guy that was looking me right in my face.
0: All right, now we're going to we're gonna get We need a reaction from you. Ready? Oh, God. That's my youngest brother. Right here? Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm it out. I know. Adoption. It was adoption, right? Well, I don't want to adopt my brother. No, y'all, there's this, no, really? No, come on, man. Help me, man. <laughs> Help me. Look, the, Help chocolate me. In right now, oh. <laughs> the chocolate is kicking in right now. The chocolate is kicking in. I don't uh, believe that. JB. That, that was a good try. J. Was it a good try? Yeah. You're not buying it? <laughs> nope. I think it's safe for me to try the chocolate I'll tell you a
0: wonderful thing, a wonderful story. But JB, we've known each other for years. Mm-hmm. And Philip Y is also on the show. I've known him for 45 years, something like that. So last Christmas Eve, we invite JB and well, Philip No, it was
2: a couple of years ago. Was that ago. two years ago already? Yeah.
0: We invite him over to the house for Christmas Eve. So it's the family. That's my son down there. All right, my, bro. my my wife and my daughter usually. Well, my daughter's not here on Fridays, but my wife usually is. But she's up doing some real estate thing or something. But what
3: have you done in your life where you need your whole family at work with you?
0: <laughs> I, I wanted like, my whole
4: <laughs> I my whole family at work with
0: me. I'm just trying to understand it. There's the dog. <laughs> you don't want to hear about it. The dog is right there. <laughs> There's a dog. We actually yeah. you do normally you have Indian. a dog. Oh my in here. God! Yeah. Three dogs in here sometimes. That's
3: that's while getting that trust together.
0: <laughs> Are you not going to put your headphones oh, sorry, in? There? Sorry, sorry, Tridham? No, he, no, I'm just, Rick's trying to be all humble.
5: I've been, I've been entertained.
0: You've been entertained? Yeah. Okay, so Christmas Eve, Andy's there, Alex, our daughter's there, my son-in-law, and their brand new baby, she's like seven months old at the time, there's JB and Philip Wise, who used to play with the New York Jets and the, and the Minnesota Vikings, black men in America today, they
3: got in a fight. <laughs> We got into a heavy discussion. It was unbelievable. A fight? Like what type of fight? Like Two urban black people fight? in the house and they're fighting. No, is it like a fist fight or like a verbal <laughs> fight? <laughs> it was a verbal fight. Oh, yeah, see, fight. white people think fights are different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the fight and he said some things that really hurt my feelings. You we know I mean? like, like, really got in fight. I stabbed him 18 times, son. You know, so you, I need to know what type no,
2: of fight it was. Phillip's wasn't. almost 70. And you got in a fight with him? And I'm in. I just hit my mid fifties. Right. So we're different generations. Gotcha.
5: I hate how black don't crack. It really pisses me off. Unbelievable. Honestly, black don't crack. It you gets ooh. That's all I know. You gets oo, baby.
2: But um, somehow we got into a civil rights discussion. We did. And With a guy in their seventies, in their seventies, of course you did. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know he what? Was what else you're going to talk <laughs> you're
0: about exactly right.
3: That's exactly what it was too. Yeah.
0: I went through it all, and you went through nothing. nothing. Yeah.
2: And all, I right? even looked oh at him and, and said, "I get it. I understand." Right. You guys did the fighting, and my generation was the one right behind you guys who started to benefit from it. Right. That, yeah, But good. that generation is still bitter as hell, and mine is kind of like... You can't say over it, but over like, it. not over it, but I but understand exactly what
3: you're saying. It's right. like, we get your, your it, generation we know recognizes it.
5: recognizes the changes yeah, and the right. advancements. But that's, whereas, um, yeah.
3: but that's why even when, I mean, I know this is a topic, I've I've talked about it on like some urban stations, like with the N-word. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's a generation whenever they heard that word, it was all negative and it was usually used to hurt you, to be insulting or be, do something nasty. But then you have another generation where it's a um, it's a it's a term of endearment and you use it in the context of showing love to somebody. But if you get someone that's 80 to talk to one, someone mm-hmm. that's 40, they're never going to understand. No. You know, generation... and people are always and people are always say um, they're like, um, it's the context. People know the context of words. Well but that doesn't give everyone yeah. the right to use them. Right. In
0: my generation it was used when a rapper couldn't think of enough syllables to fill a measure.
3: <laughs> exactly. That's my genera- that's my generation too. Yeah. Yo, what my niggas is at? What yeah, my niggas exactly. is at? We ride here. I mean, I don't know if that's gonna get edited, but that's, the, that's not gonna get edited. That's it. But okay, keep it real. But that's that's the truth that's of it. On but every you, day. that argument and, and I and I always say even even with civil rights issues, people that have bad views on people, whatever, those, I tell people all the time, those people are just going to die off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then when they die off, they can't teach people those negative things. So it's just a matter of time.
2: Well, the, when I first first moved here, because I grew up... From- 0 to 18 in St. Louis.
3: Okay. Sorry to hear that, but go. Ahead.
2: <laughs> no, but the pizza's good, man. Emo's, Elmo's. or oh, emo's. You're right. <laughs> but you then I, Tony's is really good. But I came here to uh, go to college. Right. And I've lived here ever since and one of, you, know, you
3: just you just killed this conversation but you cuz you came here with a dream to go to college. That's awesome.
0: Way to go, JP. You <laughs> why ruined did I kill, everything. Why did I no because where I'm from, everything. man,
3: people a lot of people don't have that dream. I'm just saying, but you that just that's you not, started off right. Not
0: killed bad, but like killing it.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But um you know, and I got to meet some of the because I worked, I came here to be a student manager for the Thank football you. You. team.
0: Oh, I thought you said you got to meet me. That's
2: all. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet to you that way. meet you years later, <laughs> years later, yeah. yeah, six years later or something like that. And um, you were only 24 when you met dad, yeah, yeah. I was in my 20s, yeah. Oh,
5: yeah, you guys have known yeah. each other that well. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, long yeah I time. knew it was a long time, yeah, I didn't know it was that
2: long. And so, um, I'm meeting guys from all over the country on the football team. and we had a group of guys from Florida and they all walked up to me and said what's up money? and i was like right. excuse me what happened <laughs> yeah, I was saying, Say yeah in San was like you don't what ever speak that, that word in right, right. florida it was like what's up money yeah and I was like yeah. huh <laughs> i tell
0: that story about when i lived in grand forks north dakota i i i I could not understand the people up in Grand Forks because I grew up in the inner city. So I could not understand that Minnesota accent. And the further north you get, the worse it gets. Right. So I'm like, what's So I ended up living with a black man and his sister, a guy named Victor Treadwell, Mm -hmm. in the house, never outside the house, but in the house, he used to refer to me as that. Right. And I didn't call him that; he called me that, but right. only in the house. It was hilarious. But, I and, and,
3: but I, and I and I and I'll give you a story. I understand what he meant by that because oh, yeah, I did too. my connection with Chappelle show. Right? People always ask me, say, um, how did you get on Chappelle's show?" And they thought it was just that I, me and Chappelle's. Um, I, I'm trying to explain. This. Well, they they think just because we're both from D.C., I was on a show because of that. Yeah. But Neil Brennan, who was a co-executive producer of the show, he saw me years ago. He was like a PA for In Living Color where he would go across the country and right. look for talent. He just was gotta record his stuff. And he became a fan of mine from an audition and Semi me in New York. So um he, he he became a fan of mine and he never directed. He had wrote three scripts that he sold. He was making money, he never directed anything. He wanted to start directing. He didn't have a reel. So he called my manager. He was like, "Yo, I wrote this um, this short. I want Donnell to be, and I thought he's always been funny, and I just want to do it so I can learn how to edit, blah blah blah." First thing he ever directed, right? So at the time I was on, on the HBO's The Corner, and I think I was doing good, good for myself. Yeah. And um, and I said, "I know you can't afford to pay me, but when you get a ch- if you ever make it, you get a chance to throw me a bone, throw me a bone." So maybe seven months later, no, a year later. He was he said, I'm working on this show, I'll let you know about it, but I want you to be involved with it. I was like, What? He said, We have a name for it. Then a week later he called me, and said, I want you to be a part of the show. It's Chappelle Show. And and Neil Brennan, he was a white guy. Right. He was right. the one that was responsible for introducing me to a Chappelle show. So when people say who your dudes are, I was like, Yo, Neil Brennan, that's my nigga. You know? Yeah, right, right. You know, right, and that's right. the context. And which i would use it with that, you know?
0: So, I'll tell you one. Have you seen Three Mics, Neil Brennan, the stand yeah, up? Yeah, I saw it. Oh, man, is that it sad. It was deep, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's that deep. was sad.
3: It's very deep. But that's, you know what? It's it's sad, but how many people do projects where they really get naked on stage yeah. and expose themselves yeah, right. 100%? So... And you do that without, you do that with knowing that it might not all be funny. No, and it's therapy that I think that three mic probably was therapy for him.
0: Was therapy for me because my mother raised seven children by herself.
3: But you know that family—he has like fourteen, like fourteen yeah, I, brothers and sisters. And it's so it's, funny because I got to tell this story. His brother—you
0: know—why'd you have to top me? I went to seven. <laughs> the no, no, I, they, they
3: Irish you up. <laughs> but yeah, four, no, I got At tell least he's doing it in multiples. So yeah, that's right. no, I got to tell you this story. Kevin, um, Kevin Brennan, Neil Brennan's older brother. He started the yeah. comedy first, right? So Kevin Brennan, I was talking to, Ke- and their 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 relationship is so up and down. Oh so yeah. So I was talking to Kevin one time. I was like, yeah. Um, I was talking to Neil and he said, Neil is dead to me. Oh, God. No, he said, Neil is dead to me. I was like, What? Oh, he man. was like, Neil is dead to me. I was like, What are you talking about? I was, he said, Neil is dead to me. He said, I debted him. I was like, You can't debt him. He said, I, he said, I got you he, he said, You know how I many brothers and sisters I got? I could debt anybody if I want, right? <laughs> he said, I debt him. And if you see him, he said, You tell him he's dead to me. Oh, he said, No, he went harder. He said, You tell him he's dead to me. And if you don't tell him he's dead to me, you're dead to me. So we're dealing with two deaths right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I finally saw Neil, and it was hard. I had, I didn't want to get deaded by Kevin Brennan. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? So I I saw Neil, I was like, yeah, I talked to Kevin, and he was like, what? He's like, I was like, you're dead to him. And I had to tell him, right? He was like, he laughed it off, whatever, right? right. So I saw Kevin Brennan two months later, I was like, Kevin, I gotta tell you, I saw Neil and I deaded him. He said, "Oh, oh, oh, I undeaded him." Right <laughs> I'm like, you, if you're gonna undead <laughs> the dude, yo, if you're gonna undead the dude, you gotta <laughs> let me know. I don't know who's dead around now. I'm dead because I did not undead him. When he undeaded. it was, but that's the story of life. And I know yeah. they love each other, but they go back and forth all the time. I got the
0: same thing. I got four yeah. brothers and two sisters. Ever since cunts. I was a kid,
3: There's no way can you like everybody. No,
2: with no. that many. No, no, I get, uh, I don't
5: like anybody. I no. got. We'll <laughs> no. make it even. I don't. <laughs> You I have two kids, and I'm only <laughs> fond of one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go.
2: I got four brothers and four sisters, and there's days where it's like, yeah. man.
3: But you then, know what? I, I, you know, I think as you get older, you know, like what you consider to be faults in people, you just learn to live with it. And, right. then, and then at the end of the day, the bottom line is you love them. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yes, exactly. And I think you get so frustrated when you're younger because you are like, I need you to be this person. I need you to be that person. Then after a while, you realize that person is who he is. Yeah, right. So what qualities do I like about him? Right. I'll deal with that and other things. So I'm you're saying have you group. grow
5: more tolerant as you age of people's faults, whereas I, we were talking about yeah. this morning, I feel I'm getting less. I told more now, I'm, I'm morphing into him. I'm now just... Oh, no, no. But it's the pe- no, but only, I mean, but only my the only is really going yeah,
3: out the damn window. Out the window for that situation. I'm talking about the tolerance for people that you love. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fair that's enough. what I'm talking Fair about. No. Not yeah. just Fair like enough. a coworker or somebody you love. It's like they're not going to be out of my life. Yep. They're my blood. You know what I'm saying? Like they're an asshole right here. But this ten percent of this part of them I like, so I'll just focus on that and you deal with it.
0: We'll take a break. Be right back in <laughs> two minutes. Tom our Show. <laughs>
3: When I hear that song, I could just smell collard greens on the stove. Hey, certain songs you just smell yeah. food.
4: Yeah, I know what you. Mean.
3: Yeah, all day. All right. All right. I've learned because I have some Muslim friends, I learned how to do it without it, but it's something about pork and collard greens that go together like peanut butter and jelly.
0: You know? <laughs> it is like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, what do you mean you learned to live without it?
3: Because um I was I was I was a Muslim for some part oh, of my okay. life. I was yeah. going to say, it's like, not what, you can't find eating. it here? No, no, you can find pork anyway. Yeah, you all can. you got to do is, like, where are all the white guys hanging out? you definitely going to find <laughs> a ham shake, a shoulder.
4: I, yeah. or not not, or not if it's a white like... Jewish guy. Hang on. You gotta... Not the yeah. Jews.
5: Yeah. Not yeah. No pork pork the I years. can tell you where to get a deal on yeah. pork. But...
3: And I'll tell you the room. I'll go get that bacon cheeseburger. I'll take a bite out of it, but nobody will see it in public.
0: <laughs> well, it'll happen. You know. yeah, Sorry, so you were a Muslim for how long? Are you still a Muslim now? No, I
3: retired. Bacon took me down. Bacon took you down. And it was because, like, my dad... Dad, I was telling you off 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 air. My dad was like a like a dope dealer mm-hmm. all his life, and when he was in prison, you know, when he, his prison is a place where some people really get in touch with religion. Mm-hmm. And then he like became Muslim, and then my mom was in love with him, and she was like she was raised um, Baptist, but she loved him so much that she would like she converted. Oh, she did to Islam, and then I think it was I don't know which prison term he did, but I think my mom was just like she retired. You, <clears throat> know, you retired being a Muslim. Yeah, it was like can't do it anymore. I understand that. You know, there, I retired are, all,
0: being there are a lot of rules.
3: There are a lot of rules. You got a lot. And of they rules. have like you have to. um They do like before they pray, they do this thing called wudu. Wudu is a prayer where they, you have to wash your your body, you right. cleanse right, yourself, right. And everything. And then from the time you finish that process till you kneel down and pray, you can't do anything unpure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get an mm-hmm. erection, you got to go start all over. And Why did you way,
0: look at me when you said no, that? I'm just <laughs> saying
3: because I know that was the next question you were going to ask. Like, yo, before you pray, can you have a hard penis? That's, that's you have a hard I'd never have be a Muslim pray. as a kid. No. But, like, there's certain things that, like, forms of impurity and, like, if you fart, you would have to start. Oh, and was, that was an ongoing joke. Me and my, my dad always had. we'd be walking and he'd, all of a sudden he'd be like, ah, I just broke voodoo. See, mm-hmm. that's so.
5: the, in, in my humble opinion, and this is not a knock on, on, on Muslims, but... Any religion, I think, that tells you a fart and an erection are not natural and are some kind of dirty deed prior to prayer, I just have a hard time with personally.
2: Uh, the Catholic Church comes So what you're saying is, is that really? you could go
5: <laughs>
3: fart and have a heart to pray about it after? I've done
5: that in shul, in synagogue. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: pretty sure I've had both. I want you to do me a favor now.
3: Yeah. It's,
0: it, I think you can get this done, too. I want you to, you know, unfortunately, Charlie Murphy's no longer with us. All I, right I P, my to, brother. I used to love talking to Charlie Murphy. Great dude. Yeah, I talked to him about 200 times, and each time he had never knew who I was. No? <laughs> I was like a new person every time I talked to him. <laughs> it's just how he was, right? Yeah. So here's what I want you to do I want you to bring back Black Jesus, but I want to be Jesus. What do you think?
3: We could do that. I mean, Slink, John, Slink Johnson. Oh, he, he was, to, was so you have, good. You'll have to beef with him over it, but. He was good. <laughs> Yo, you know what? We maybe, I mean, this is an idea. You are so fond of that show, We should. we should spoof it. Spook
0: Black Jesus? Yeah, but like, you black know what, Jesus? like the
3: networks, the networks said they didn't want to do it anymore and we got together, we was like, screw it, we're going to do our own Black Jesus. I love That could be the Jesus. swing. We should do one episode, we should do one fake fake episode. That'll be funny.
0: I loved it when Charlie Murphy walked in and said, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a two in rule after six o'clock. <laughs> and it's six oh five. One of y'all big ends gotta go.
3: <laughs> Charlie was man It was very he funny. He was
5: that super guy. He was. Oh, I God. miss
3: him, man oh, yeah, Charlie
5: I'll never forget the night at the, our club up in Canada he set off the uh, after after, <laughs> after hours a little after party at the club and oh, we yeah? set off the smoke alarm no oh, man oh, yeah, yeah. Was it was a pipe
0: smoke or a cigar smoke? it was
5: just uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that I was pipe, re- top. Pipe. pipe it in is. Is
3: <laughs> we were at the uh, I, I went to his memorial and me and Dave spoke and it was just it was one of those one of those services where like you were, of course you were sad, but you just were happy that you had the memories with him. Mm-hmm. And Dave yep. and me and Dave haven't been in the church and I don't know how long. We didn't even know how to act in there. And the Dave looked at um one of Charlie's kids, and he, he wants to say, You guys are gonna be all right, you guys are in good company, Charlie had good friends. He said, But your dad, I'm gonna share the sentence that changed my life forever. Is when your dad looked me in my face during lunch and said, I fought Rick James on several occasions <laughs> 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 and it was that moment that I'm Rick James bitch Dude. was born, born. and the thing about what a lot of people don't know and I respect and love Charlie so much is that um, when we did Chappelle's show Rick James sketch Comedy Central didn't think it was funny
1: they did. They, they thought was,
3: it was too long. What was
1: not funny? They, the Rick this James is
3: and this is—I mean, they oh, thought it was. They thought the sketch God. was too long because there was never a sketch show where you had one sketch for pretty much the whole episode. Right. Thought it was too long, and they thought that um, um, Charlie Murphy wasn't funny. And little did they know, and it was—I was the warm-up guy, when we did the show. And every time we showed that in, in in the audience, I just felt like something was about to change some lives. Like it was so yep. so explosive. The yeah, first yep. time he said, "I'm Rick James, bitch," and it was just like <laughs> pop pop pop. It was just like it was everywhere, man. And a lot of things people don't, a thing they don't understand about Charlie. Charlie never did stand up, and the way he started huh? doing stand up because. I, he's, he's such a tough, tough guy. Everybody thinks he's the most... My dad loves Charlie, the most gangster person. And when we were doing our roast battles, I used to say, yeah, you tough, but you won't get on a microphone. And I knew once I said microphone, it was going to be like, oh, wait. <laughs> you know, and, and this is coming from a guy that's been around a, some of the greatest ever right. doing. I was like, I know you're not going to... Um, I know you'll never touch a mic. So after... Um, the second season of the Chappelle Show, we weren't really making a lot of money on Chappelle Show, but we was had some fame. I was like, well, there, there's no way we can just be this popular and not make money. So I was like, we got to do a tour. I came up with the idea to do the I'm Rich Bitch tour. At the time of the show, um, me and Charlie was like outside of day, we were the biggest names on the show. But I wanted the show to be dope. Bill Burr, at that time, Bill Burr probably was 800. Uh, Eight hundred thousand dollar weekend headliner. Not to discredit him because he mm. was bubbling. He was about to mm-hmm. pop, right? But right. he wasn't the draw. But I was like, I want the show to be banging. Got um uh, Bill Burr on the show. Charlie Murphy never had any stand up experience. So I, finally, he went to an open mic with me. He went for the first time. All we needed him to do was like five or ten minutes. And during that time, we we went out. We went out for a year. We were selling out everywhere. And Charlie started to get his voice. You know what I'm saying? And he went, like, people were being really critical of him. Like, because of course they're going to try to compare you to your brother. Right. That's never going to be the same. But they didn't know that he was his own man, he was his own style. And I will say, I don't know if anybody can imagine how it feels to basically be selling out across the country as an open micer. You know yeah, what I'm saying? that's right. And yeah, that's everything true. you're learning is not in no seedy spot where it's like 10 people. Like, you're yep. learning it in front of some of the biggest crowds. And within a year... He, he started to grow. He
5: honed his craft, he, dude. And not only did he hone his craft, but then he started taking it so seriously that the second and third times he'd come back to your venues, your yeah. clubs, he was turning over new shows. Like, yes. he didn't want to be one of those guys that just wrote that first 45, mm-hmm. rested on those laurels, and then, you know, collected and did and, his
3: thing. And it's tough just to be able to, to. The first thing people do, oh, he's no Eddie Murphy so and so. And Charlie Murphy, You're for sure. years, Charlie Murphy, this is what I respect about Charlie's relationship with Chappelle Show. And what Chappelle did for his name before, all you heard of Charlie Murphy, like if you first heard, we made jokes about it, Eddie Murphy's brother. Eddie Murphy's brother. And then when Charlie passed away, and one thing I respect and I love about the relationship with the show is that nobody said Eddie Murphy's brother passed away. Everybody yeah. said Charlie,
2: Charlie. Murphy. There, there's two things that popped in my head from your conversation. One was... um <clears throat> Just um I was just listening to some of Eddie's old stuff recently. Right. And I could hear Charlie clearly in some of Eddie's stuff. But you so- got
3: you know what? And this is it's so funny you said that because I've been around their family the mm-hmm. closest people that they love and you can tell and just by being around them you could tell in the household Charlie was the funniest but, one right yeah, but he oh, had yeah. different plans yep. you could yep. tell and you could tell that Eddie probably used to look up to him like right. oh but and you also knew that Eddie was a performer. Mm-hmm. You know, I said Charlie was like instead of working a joke, he probably wanted to go rob somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. but well, but Eddie,
5: Charlie—that actually, I, I think Charlie used to tell us the story that he got Eddie to do this first set, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, um,
3: he took him. Um, they said um, Eddie did it. It, uh, it was a Gong Show. It was a, a, right. a Gong Show thing. Eddie was like about probably like fifteen or sixteen. He said Charlie was like, "Yo, Eddie, they got a Gong Show thing over there. You shoulda, uh, you should go over there and just go get that money." Because he just knew his brother was so dope that all he had to do was just go. And Eddie went there, he did some imp- He said, yeah, do your impression, do this, and just get that money. And Eddie Murphy went there that night and that birthed Eddie Murphy's career.
2: And then the other thing that popped in my head was it took me a long time to realize that Bill Burr was the commentator oh, yeah. for the, uh, the dice. Right. racial draft. And the racial draft. And Bill
3: and Bill did some other thing he did on Dudes Night Out. It was like that time, and Dave was like, the people on that show was like, the people that were on the first two seasons of that show were people that Dave respected. It wasn't a casting agency. It was just like, yo, I hung out with you before. Yo, let's do something dope. Let's do something dope. And Bill Burr at the time, Bill Burr was bubbling. You know what I mean? Bill Burr. Right. He got some pieces on Chappelle's show. But he already saw where he was going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, And right now, he's one of the biggest biggest go. headliners. He's huge awesome. now. And you can see it. And like, I was lucky enough to be able to do a tour with Charlie Murphy, Bill Burr, where I was headlining. And I Man. tell people all the time, I'm like, you want to talk about following somebody, try coming behind Chappelle's show. The hottest thing you ever heard on this, Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> oh, yeah. From oh, that... Yeah to start the show, to Bill Burr just demolishing a room.
4: Yep. And
3: like Every show we did, Bill was on. At the end, when he got on stage, you could have really just said, good night, everybody. And every night, I had to come behind Bill Burr and still find a place to take that show. I, there was no night that I could be off. No, Not I understand, oh, I understand that. It Absolutely. makes you strong. But, I mean, you're a
0: hell of an actor, too. And that, Thank you. The way you think, I had to... As an actor, had to enter into that. I would think, yeah. I, if I have to change a little bit who I am because of where he left me,
3: I gotta got to act like I, I, right. I can. I'm funnier. Yep. Or can not not even funnier, but just I know what you're saying. It's, you it's, not, it's your transfer. Arm. It's transferring energy. Keep it going. Because people always try to say, "Can you follow?" I think if you know how to transfer the energy, you can follow anybody. When it gets in your psyche, like, "Oh my God, what they just did," but it's just like it's surfing. If you you got to know how to ride that wave. Yeah,
0: you got to ride the wave. Absolutely. Yep. Is it true that nobody else knows that Baltimore story about the wire?
3: I'm telling you, like I'm the only person that knows that story. No, like it's almost it feels like it's a it's an inside story. Cause people would always ask me, like, yeah, man, they switched. They sw-. if you saw it was like a total reversal. It went from the 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 towers to the docks. And it was just because of yeah. what you said. It was like the Baltimore tourism boy was like, come on, man, enough is enough. Cause the you hey, know, right. have you ever watched the series The Corner? Yeah. I was in the corner. I played. It. A lot of people didn't. Rec- I'm yeah, glad did Yeah, I know who didn't. you are. Actually, I played. <laughs> a lot of people don't. I mean, like I was a heroin Is that addict. Tr-
0: that's not true.
3: <clears throat> yeah. No. Like a lot of people, when they go back, they like, "Whoa, I didn't know it." Because.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I played that's a heroin. I hope yeah. I
3: don't look like a regular. Like I have
1: some I recognized you immediately.
3: Yeah, yeah. You look like a heroin <laughs> addict. But um, that that was the the wire was, a spinoff of the corner. The right. corner. Yep. Uh, Charles Dutton directed it. Won like three Emmys. But that story was so dark; it was hard just to. You can't just have a story centered around the um, heroin addiction because it's going to be the same story. It's too dark. So the wire yep. was a spinoff of that. In fact, if you like look at it, it's so many people that were in the corner that flipped their roles and did stuff on the wire. And one thing I say about David Simon, up, Dave, whenever you talk about loyalty and family, mm-hmm. they keep that base of the group of actors like close by them.
0: You know, it's so interesting about that story because I did hear the the finish. We, we are part of an Italian restaurant down the block here, and David Simon, when he's in town, wanted to go, and there was no room. So I just... I don't know how he can. I don't even know how he found me, but you know, we got him in, and it was all. That's where I heard that story. He there was a. You heard that. it from him.
3: Yeah. See that that makes sense. That's all. Yeah. Who else is going to tell it? See, <laughs> I never watched
5: the series, but, oh, the, funniest, God, man, but the funniest thing to me in hearing you recant it is you're calling it uh, that it was Baltimore tourism that got the that got it. Sh- and to me, when you You'll hear the term this. Baltimore tourism, it almost sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> I'll be, it's like saying nice toupee. It's just so like two words.
3: See, I you know, now, now this story makes. So much yeah, sense right. because you heard it from his mouth.
0: He told me that that he ended up having to meet with the mayor. He said, "You can't make Baltimore look this bad. You can't do it." And David said, "Okay, well, I'll just move it to another city." And the mayor said, "Yeah, okay, I appreciate that, but you have to understand something, Mr. Mayor. I'm still going to say it's Baltimore." Right?
5: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. And you're about to lose a lot of
3: revenue, about, work, and right. tax dollars you know, in your so own you damn city. No this is so funny. When I got when that's I got hilarious. when I got that role. To be um, on the corner I'm Jackie Brown Carmen she was a big uh, casting agent in New York and she brought me in for the audition and I was nervous as hell and I was messing up I was I don't know what's wrong with me and she was like Donnell just relax Carl's in the room you'll be okay and f- for some reason I calmed down I'd read my lines I still didn't think I had a great audition I booked it and I was confused I was like what happened and I talked to David Simon I was like how did I get this role I don't think they had a great audition. He said, we liked that you didn't feed into the stereotype of a heroin addict. Right. And you were yourself. Because I didn't read the whole script to see that it was a heroin addict. It just seemed like a cool dude on the block. Mm-hmm. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to, you know, like, and I know everybody else that went in, they were going there like, yeah, man, they was doing a nod. They was like, right. next, next, next. And, and that's what got me rolling. That's what built the relationship with David Simon and the whole HBO crew. And it was awesome. For me to be able to, I was watching one of those, uh, looking at the magazine, Entertainment Weekly something. They had ranked, like, the top 100 shows of all time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Chappelle was, um, it came in, like, 39th or something. Uh, this is a crazy list. It's a huge list. God, and then The Wire be. was up in, like, the 10. But I felt so happy knowing that I was a part of, what people consider two of the best television oh, yeah. shows of all time. Well, it's true
0: because they were. Yep. We'll be back in about two minutes, Tom Bernard, aren't you? What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindall. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house.
5: Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home.
4: sometimes i feel
3: i've got to run away i've got to get away from the pain i really think you should do black jesus <laughs> no i tell you that would be so funny <laughs> man and it's like a bootleg version like you really like the show that much? You don't want to see it? Loved it. And nobody black wants to do black Jesus anymore, or whatever. And you do it. It would be. I'm telling you, It'd that's a winner, mean. man. That you would know be what
0: funny. Miss Tootie, on that show when she came. Oh, white
3: do a bit. I'm sorry. I know. I'm just no, telling. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. Oh, white do a Black being Jesus. Being hilarious. He's
1: just be you the white I'm, guy. And I'm,
3: I'm not gonna keep going into it, but especially <laughs> because of your because of your background, I'm saying it just makes. Yeah, it'll be great. It makes so much sense for you, not. Any white person, <laughs> and you get, it makes sense for you to be Black Jesus. It can't
0: be over the top either, like you know, some of these suburban uh, white guys. When they man, start, just
3: put you in a robe and yeah, just be it. yourself.
2: I was being a robe. You
3: are Black Jesus. <laughs>
2: you gotta get it done. <laughs> you really are. Well, we'll he, get it done. He did radio in Florida, and they thought he was black. White. Oh, they thought I was black yeah, from no, the day I mean, one.
3: Man, that's. Okay. I mean, I'm telling you, my, 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 my. my my, my my creative comedy mind is just spinning. Oh, it's jelly, and I'm man. telling it'd you, Black be, be Jesus huge. is so funny. Black Jesus
0: starring Tom Bernard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait a minute, he's a white guy.
3: Oh I'm my not, god! But he doesn't
0: know
2: that, so it's never mind. almost
3: like the watermelon man. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so did the um, network kill Black Jesus?
3: I really don't know oh, the story behind
2: God, that. I love okay. you. Which makes it the Jews again. Sometimes,
3: sometimes <laughs> no. I think sometimes uh things run their course and like I don't think people like are interested in having like a show on forever. Now no, it's just not like anymore. let me That's stick right. and move and keep it you know what I mean? I don't know.
0: Black Jesus. It'd be yep. unbelievable.
3: It was a good time. I did an episode of it. I played um what did I play? I played the Gr- something. it was a Christmas special. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, I was I did one episode.
0: God, I loved it. I I never missed an episode, and I I would introduce
3: people to it. It's so you know what that set when I worked in it. It reminded, it kind of reminded me of like on the Chappelle show. It was just, it just felt like everybody liked each other. Everybody like was fans of each other, and everybody worked to make it good and fun. That just like I'm in my trailer now. It was just like it was just like felt family. It felt family. Isn't that wonderful? And it's hard when they
5: stopped the show. Yeah. So how many people?
2: How many people yell these two lines at you?
5: Everyone. (laughs) Everybody. I'm rich,
2: bitch. Right. I'm rich. And, uh,. Or call you Ashy Larry? Oh my God! It's in the same <laughs> sentence.
3: Love Ashy Larry. That, it's
2: in the same sentence everywhere. <laughs>
5: I'll be as a club owner. That's how we're pitching it in social media. <laughs> it's the, always like it's not no Rawlings. A, Ashy Larry from the Chappelle Show.
3: And I'm not like one of those actors. Like, oh, don't call me. That I've had so and so work. Like, oh God! You know it's so hard to Take be recognized. Pride in it, it's so hard to be recognized for anything in this business. So if it's something people connect, you got to just go with. It.
5: Dude, at the end of the day, you now have a <clears throat> claim to fame. That's that is. I mean, his last forever. Forget yeah,
3: forever. It. I've I've had weird moments where I was dating this child and shit one time and she was from money. She was already loaded, right? And we were walking down the street, and she didn't really, she was in a peace court. How we met is so strange. She was in a peace court, didn't really know who or what I did. And we were walking down the street one day and somebody was like, I'm rich, bitch. And she said, Me too, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was for me too was negative. You know what I'm saying? That was just like and it was so funny. It was so funny and it was honest. And but I like with that. I never get upset about it. You know what I mean? It's something like... Why would you? Like, some Because some people have just crazy... I know. Just crazy. I'm adjectives. not that anymore.
0: I, so. I feel like um, Jason Alexander, uh, I'm sure he hears uh, George yeah. Costanza quotes. I mean, I'm sure yeah, he doesn't probably. love that because he did get typecast real hard
3: yeah You're but right. okay get typecast after you made millions off of the <laughs> well, no, like side that's wait, not wait, a time I mean, to after, be typecast still
5: currently what are you yeah. talking yeah, yeah, still yeah, a oh, cash he's cash
7: set cash. for life
0: huge and then like you know another 20-30 lives <clears throat> yeah that was back when man
3: Dave Chappelle said something in my birthday party I don't know is there any way I could play some audio for something if you got it, we yeah. can Play it. What did it do like? What do you got to? Um, Andy, you know. What I mean? Um, yeah, like, Mike will be
0: able to plug your phone in once he gets back. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a, i
3: And I mean, yeah, I got. He's it.
0: Sicilian, <laughs> though. He might not ever come back.
3: No, that's <laughs> <laughs> how he is. They spawned by. Oh, I'm never going to do that, Remember? Oh yeah, Baby, can, can yeah. you tell? Yeah. That, right after that, yeah. yeah.
2: Can you tell that we're all comfortable discussing race? You know what stereotypes? Yeah, and the reason why you know why is because.
3: Your discussion your, and your conversation, is it, it doesn't come from a nasty or, no. or a ill person. Well, no, mine mind. does. Yeah. So I, don't <laughs> I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It doesn't come with a bad – But look he hates everyone. But I hate everybody. Yeah. Right. Oh,
2: then that's even. All right. Shout no, out to the Chinese. The day I met him was at a basketball. That's right. College basketball game, and he invited me on his radio show that day. I did. I didn't come in. But he invited me on that day. I mean, I'm not look. I wasn't looking at being radio. I was right. finishing up college and it just whatnot. Happened? Yeah. And that's
3: how. I, that's when I did ready, I did three stints on morning shows, and they were all because someone had just got fired. So I would come and just fill in, and they was like, Oh, we might can have something popping. And all three times. That's how I got the job, and all three times I got fired from those jobs. <laughs> and they say you're nobody in radio unless you've been fired three times. That's no. what I've heard.
0: Well, I've been at this job now for 32 years. Same you never job. been fired? I mean, I got fired a lot before this job.
3: Yeah. <laughs> in in the radio world or before radio? Yeah,
0: I've, I've been in radio actually for 47 years, and
3: I got fired a lot the first uh, 15 years. Nobody does that. Does what? Who is in radio that. Who's, who's next Nobody. to you? Tom Joyner, mate. Tom Joyner, yeah, he's been in a long time. He probably got like 40. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, but probably. that's crazy.
0: But that's it's, crazy. It's he stood
3: the storm. But PBMs and all of that stuff, you're yeah. still standing.
0: PPMs. I remember diaries. World.
3: Yeah, I do too, man. I and love And once diaries. they went from diaries to PPMs, the black radio just went to like a a playlist. Yeah, they no, didn't think right. that they they radio black radio thought that the only thing that you can engage the audience with is with music. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember I did some shows. Like in an hour, we may have two talk breaks, three talk breaks, and nobody thought that personalities were strong enough for people just to listen for the personalities. They thought they'd just listen to music, and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons. But black radio is like, it's dying.
0: Yeah, well, they got to keep an eye on uh, what they should allow on all channels. doesn't matter what the format is. Talk is the only thing that's going to keep radio on. Agreed. Live.
3: But they don't think anybody's interesting enough. You know what I'm saying? But if you look at it. You on same... radio are not going to be
0: interesting. it would be phenomenal. No, on me.
3: Radio. What I'm saying, me. Fine. Right. But there's not a lot of me's. You know what I'm saying? Like no, I would I be great, but so, then you but have a lot they're... of people that aren't great, so they rely on they re, they rely on like we're giving away thirty thousand dollars in two minutes. You right. know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? They rely on that because their personality is not strong enough to do it. There's nothing re- interesting.
0: Re- you just reminded me of growing up in the neighborhood. You know how, what you did just now reminded me of growing up. What you went? Well, yeah, I'd be great.
3: Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm like you know you. you know, yeah, I'd be. i don't know uh, about other yeah. people, me, me. Yeah, I just had to. Be. And that's it was that, an honest 47 moment. Forty-seven
5: years—that's pretty good. But I'm fantastic <laughs> yeah, on the radio.
3: But that's not just me saying it, though, man. It's just not me saying it. I'm just echoing. That. I'm just echoing what people feel, no, man. No, no, you're absolutely you know? right. You're absolutely and I really right. want to get, but it's not a lot of. I, I like. I really miss doing morning radio. I would jump on another opportunity to do. radio. No, morning you wouldn't. I guess you are I would. not
5: prepared to be up at three thirty in the morning. Yo, let me tell you I at wouldn't night. be
3: up. I just wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I get it. I Andy, balance
5: it. my son, same story.
3: Yeah, I, I, I go sleep, to sleep at
4: like five AM if I can.
3: No, but I, the reason, but the reason I would, I, if I know I have to be up that early, then I'm not going to pull the times that I do now. But yeah, I used to do yeah. radio. I loved doing it. But I said it was different times. It Was in New York. And it was always that up in the air thing. Like, all right, I'm out. Do I stay all the way yeah, out? Yeah, no you never worries. know. Or what I do. So a lot of times, I was in the green room. They had to wake me up to go to work. Yeah. But I was at work. Are we
0: going to? Are we going to set up
3: that audio? They're trying to. It's
0: the new iPhone, and
7: remember how they removed the headphone jack? Oh yeah, that's jack. Yeah, right. You just, go but that he's gonna—he's gonna get it on his
6: phone and then play it that way.
7: Definitely. I forgot oh, about
3: that. They—they they, you have to have that. Um, I don't know. This is dumb. Like why? And I was looking like, what's taking it so long? I'm like, all you gotta do is plug it in, but yeah.
6: Why remove
0: the headphone jack? I don't get it. Why did they? I don't know because. That's I mean,
3: what we it. have Google. We can Google. That's a good question. Why did they remove the headphone jack so those the iPhones?
2: Google. <laughs> so we know. can sell Let them some other stuff. Well, the saddest thing uh, at work, I work, work across the hall from the IT group, and they said there are clowns who have sent out emails to people telling you you can drill your hole, oh, your yeah. own hole, into your your new yeah. iPhone. Yeah,
3: that's yep. a good idea. To, for what? Oh, oh, to, to,
2: to do that? Yeah. Of course, it ruins the phone. Ruins yeah. the phone. But other than that, right.
3: well, if someone believes
0: that, should they be allowed to have a phone now <laughs> or breathe? Not. They're gonna no, hurt that's themselves. the same person
3: needs a new iPhone because they changed the color.
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah,
3: this one is better. Why? Because the black one yeah. is better than the white one. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sounded racist. That sounded racist. It really sounded yeah, <laughs> you know,
5: terrible. Going back although, to the radio guys, I got a better. black phone. Yeah, yeah, you got a black
3: phone.
0: <laughs> But the Asian one works especially well. I tell you very quickly before he fires that up so, uh, very, my very first break on the radio, I was like 18 years old, just, you know, been kicked out of every school I've ever been in, quit high school when I was in 10th grade, went to college for one day and then I went to broadcasting school and they kicked me out of there seven times and the guy says to me, look there's a job at a 500 watt day timer over in St. Paul, nobody else wants the job but if you want the job you can have it, right. so I go over there and then I find out it's a country station Country and Western States. Right. So I go and I do the first break and go, uh, here's uh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> and the phone just blows up. The phone's just ringing off the hook. I'm like, hey, they think I'm really, really wonderful. Uh, go, right. KDN. the guy goes, get that big N off the air. <laughs> <laughs>
5: And that
3: was, Yo, that was before video. Yeah, that was <laughs> before video or anything. Like, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Wow. That's funny. Yeah, it
0: was the first call I ever took in radio. Guy called me the Big End. Wow. But then,
3: well, how did that But is, was that the birth of it? And everything worked out from there? Or you did some... Yeah.
0: I, I just, you know, what happened was I bounced around a little bit, and then there was a station uh, over in St. Paul, KSTP. It was an AM station at that time, and. Uh, they were blowing up, and I called a guy like eighty-five times. And said, "Look, I'll run the Jesus tapes on Sunday. Whatever right. you got, you know the old deal. You work and work and work and work, and finally it catches."
3: Yeah, that's the old deal. People don't have those. Hey, they hey, don't think hey, hey, like hey, that anymore. They, they, they drove don't throw blows. What y'all like, mean? Literally, it was What's that all of us? i nah, is not not it, it, it DC, New York, nah. comedy
1: club? Is that another the right one? Let me
3: see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don Ellis headed over there. Let me handle this. <laughs> Which
3: one did you send? Did you send?
0: You
3: got it. No, not that
0: one. That's not that ah, ah, so the
3: first one. We might have heard some interesting no, no, stuff no, this, if
0: we <laughs> kept that going.
3: No, that was a good one, too, but this one, <laughs> I, I mean, we could double up on them, you know. But...
5: Now this is, I'll set this up before I get out of here. Actually, I just watched this, and uh, it's a really nice piece. Uh, Donnell just recently celebrated his birthday and had a big bash out in L.A., and, uh, Dave got up on stage and uh, had some uh, really, really quite beautiful words. I mean, stuff. Really, he's a really eloquent speaker, and I mean, I've only had the, the privilege of meeting Dave a handful of times, and. Just, uh, Donnell and I were talking about this while driving here. He's just mm-hmm. always been one of the most genuine people and uh, yeah. really easy to talk to and, and very articulate, very intelligent, very well-read, knows certainly what's going on politically, uh, knows what's going on geographically. I mean, he's just a sharp cat, and uh, it was really a, a nice thing, uh, a, a nice moment.
3: And it was him, and it was him. It, 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 you don't men. understand how hard it is to be. a got head headphones Yeah. yeah. You don't understand the fucking disappointments that go along with it. And then, even though you get disappointed, you get your heart broken, things don't go the way you want
0: them to, you still get out on that stage every night, you say, Waka Waka. Now, let
4: me tell you something. I've been doing
3: this for 30 years, I'm only 44. This motherfucker has the enthusiasm of a child for 25
0: years straight. This motherfucker is the man. Just when I did, and just when I thought we had reached the bottom of the well, he had his first son. And I knew his well was so much deeper. Yeah. I work on this guy with this guy on the road, night after night. It keeps me in line. I get tired. He says, Dave, man, look what the fuck we're doing. And his excitement, I borrow his eyes and I look at my own life and I say, this is not a bad life. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, I, that surprised me because I didn't even think he knew me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're like this, I'm going to cut my voice in. Give it up for Black Jesus, everybody. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, uh. But it was just like, and it wasn't, that wasn't self serving. It was just like, no, the thing that came no, the no, most no. for mm-hmm. me was like what it takes. And like, people don't understand that. You know, they see you, when they see you, people don't, a lot of times they don't see all the work and everything it took for you to get to a certain place. And it is tough. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's not a bad life.
0: Oh, it's a great life, no question. I also usually tell people to check them out online, but in the case of slightly damaged cars, you really do have to see them for yourselves. Stop out to Walzer, Mazda, Nissan, Honda, and Subaru just south of the Burnsville Mall on Buck Hill Road. If you really want to, you can tell them Tom sent you, but that sounds kind of dumb.
7: Those are the conversations that specifically I wanted to come to have with you. I wanted to be able to talk to about the kind of stuff that you would normally have a conversation about off the air because it's not the format for it. So right. Right. Um, so being able to talk to you in this format and say, you know, you, you have a very interesting perspective because you've had... So many people sit in front of you. Yeah, 34 and, years now. And you also have, uh, you know, there's there's needs that you need to have met for your audience. You know, you, you, you want to make sure a guest comes in and is yep. entertaining. So not a lot of people know that there's, from your point of view, you want your guest to come in and take over and make your job easy and, and entertain your audience. And not mm-hmm. a lot of comedians, surprisingly, get that. Or
2: or can do that. Or Or can can do
7: that, yeah. And it's for a variety of reasons. There's comedians who don't want to burn their material or... um, Or they want to be interviewed they don't want to be funny on the air they want to be interviewed and that's
0: which is what I do anyway is I don't ever ask them to do their act never no. I don't ever do that just whatever you want to talk about I'm here to moderate it and, uh, and we're, we're good to go so yeah I don't have any problem with that at all
7: was there ever anybody who came in who and this might not even necessarily be comedian wise but what I think is really interesting is in my time working in radio is I got to meet a lot of people who I love and admire and and respect and And sometimes they didn't meet my expectations when I got to meet them. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, there were people who I had little or no respect for, or I just didn't even really think twice about a certain individual that would come on a show, and I'd go, man, that guy was awesome.
4: Mm
7: -hmm. Uh, Is there anybody that fits that category where you weren't necessarily a fan or didn't know much about them, and then they just blew your socks off?
0: God, let me think about that, because I I was thinking about people I didn't like and then people I really liked. Okay, then
7: let's let's Someone. start with that that first question was really who over the years cuz you've talked to almost mm-hmm. everyone in comedy. Who yeah, were your yeah. favorite comedians that you ever had on and why My did you like comedians? them? Yeah.
0: You no, know, we we have to set aside Louis Anderson and Nick Swartz, and the local guys of got course. set them aside because we become lifelong friends. Yep. So that doesn't count. But, um, my God, there's so many. That's the whole problem. I love comedy. Love comedians, love comedy. So it's pretty tough to pick. There are some digits. Well, from the first time you came in, I loved working with you because Mm -hmm. you do so many different things. You have a different perspective. You're happy to do it. You're excited about (laughs) doing it. That's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just just talking about Bob Rivers. Uh, Two years ago, Catherine and I went to dinner down in Boca Raton, Florida, with Bob Rivers, Paul Castronovo from Oh Miami, yeah, of course, Brother Weeze.
7: Oh my God!
0: And, and and our wives. Wow, that was one interesting night for Catherine. I'll tell you <laughs> if you don't know these names in these markets, he just named yeah. a, a
7: king of Seattle, a king of Miami, and a and a the guy who arguably may be the mayor of Rochester, yeah, Brother yeah, Weeze. He right. is. You're he right. is. I've hung out with him in the city of Rochester before. And that was a crazy experience. Everywhere yeah, he was. went, he was, you know, constantly shaking hands, kissing babies. and um, But, yeah, so you're you're having dinner with these guys in Boca Raton. It was and phenomenal.
0: And <laughs> Catherine's like, oh, my God.
7: I know.
2: It was just exhausting. <laughs> my <laughs>
7: favorite,
0: Paul Castaneda, because Paul and I have known each other for years now. And I've known Bob for a few years now. And I just met Brother Wheeze that that first time. That's the first time I ever met him. <laughs> but Paul Castronovo. we were on a, a, a panel last year in Chicago. The, the four radio people who've been on the air for over thirty years. I, well,
7: they referred to it as the Legends panel. I was there. Yeah, I'm not. I actually sat in the audience uh, for that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not
0: using the legend. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the
7: Radio Legends panel, and I, I was in the audience for that.
0: One of the greatest parts of it is is, is uh, Steve Dahl. Yep. Uh, kind of kind of went after paul castronovo because paul was on his show and and doll hung up on him a few years earlier oh
7: i didn't know he, this.
0: He, he brought it up and castronovo brought it up on the panel and doll was very open about it and lamont you know from yeah uh, lamont and out in san francisco yeah, lamont was their nicest guy in the world yeah great guy <laughs> so we're sitting up there and the place is absolutely jammed and steve Dahl says yeah, I just, I just didn't like your attitude. I didn't like the way you treated me. I didn't like the way you just comport yourself. And I said, he's Italian. What do you think he was going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and Castagnolo looks at me like, what? <laughs> that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It yeah, it's um,
7: it. uh, it's funny to, to hear radio guys, um, uh, as a comedian, to hear about those experiences. And also, I started in 1993 in radio. And everyone I met in radio, actually, everyone I met in radio and comedy told me the same thing. Everyone said, you just missed it. Like, it it was such a party right before you got here.
4: We we did
7: coke at work. We uh, invited listeners to come in and and have sex. We we did everything here right before you got here. And then at the comedy clubs, I would hear that uh, it was a common... Thing to hear at the end of a week working at a comedy club in the eighties? Do you want to get paid oh, in green or white? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. You can get wow. paid money, or you can get paid in coke, and uh, <laughs> that was insane to me. Um,
0: yes, I could see
7: that. And uh, so I, I, I apparently just missed the party, and it's probably a good thing. I was literally <laughs> just about to say the same thing. It, it would have killed me because um, I, I, you know, I already damaged myself enough. To get to where I had to just stop and go, all right, I, I can't live this way anymore. But um, uh, but I think it's really interesting. So, um, you know, Louie, obviously, Nick are, are great comedians. Yep. Is there anyone that stands out in your mind that you just had a difficult time with that was a stand-up comedian there on the air? There are two of
0: them, actually. Okay. And I can't remember. It makes me sad I can't remember his last name, but he was on Saturday Night Live. His name was Rich, but I can't remember his last name.
7: Are you sure it wasn't Rob Schneider?
0: was not <laughs> rob i get along with really okay. well
7: Because Rob, if I can just tell you quickly, uh, Rob is notorious for being grumpy. Yeah,
0: he's never been grumpy with me. (laughs) Okay, matter of fact, I have his phone number. He gave me his phone number. Okay, call anytime. But you know the reputation. Yes. Okay. I I did a radio
7: row with friends of mine at the Grammys (laughs) once. (laughs) Uh, It was a pre-Grammy radio row, and I had multiple friends call me and say, "Hey, we're broadcasting. They were broadcasting in Los Angeles from Radio Row. I live in Los Angeles. Can you come down and join us and just have some fun?" So by the time Rob Schneider walks over to this table, I am just locked into being just Tracy Morgan on the air. I'm just I'm right. just uh, hey, we're broadcasting live back to St. Louis and we're being joined by Tracy Morgan and blah blah blah. So Rob Schneider comes over and they go, "Hey Tracy, um the host. This is my co-host, and this is Tracy Morgan. And I go, "Hey, what's happening, white people?" Or whatever I say. Right, right. You know, this Rob Schneider's making me horny. That's crazy. <laughs> and, then, uh, and Rob stops, looks at me, and goes, "Wow, that's." He, he kind of smiles, and he goes, "Man, you know," kind of gives me a, a nod, like, "Wow, I like that." And my buddy asks him a question that hit Rob the uh. wrong way. Oh, yeah, he
0: can be really difficult. Not and, with me ever, though. It's
7: and great. Rob and my buddy start going back and forth. It escalates quickly Whoops. to where Rob stands up and shouts out, F you! Whoa. I will kick your ass if you keep asking me about that. And they go, man, we're sorry. We're just trying to ask you about That's this question. And Rob up. goes, no, F you, F you, F you. Then he turns and looks at me and goes, it's a good Tracy Morgan and he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddies go, Man, Whoa. what an a-hole. And I went no doubt about and it. And I went, I don't know, I, I thought he was pretty nice.
2: <laughs> he <was a> complimented <laughs> like me. me
7: before he walked away. No, so, last, all right. So yeah, there was a guy named Rick.
2: He was on okay. the podcast when you felt bad. You were sick. Who was? Rob.
0: No, but he and I hit it off really, really well. And he was, he's call, calls into the show once a while. He's terrific. Yeah,
2: and he was involved, he's involved in some sort of vitamin. Company. Okay. And he was trying to get Tom to take some vitamins so he Oh, could he feel was. Yeah, he wanted me to take vitamins.
0: <laughs> really?
7: I was yeah, you, about,
2: you were like so sick. I was. Yeah.
0: You were about to say I need to qualify uh, my, my my choice for for the, my two favorite comedians I've ever. One of the things, and I just talked about this again this week, is I've been doing radio now for forty eight years, and there wow. was a, well there was a, about a five year period in there where I just worked at Capitol Records, so it hasn't been forty eight years straight, but it has been thirty four years on the KQ Morning Show. Okay. So I do have to qualify something, that when I first started meeting all these people, um, I was floored by the fact, like, I get to sit down and talk to all these people. Of course. It was unbelievable. Dang. So I got to, you know, just because of who they the, they were, they're no longer with us. But to interview Rodney Dangerfield oh my God. and Don Rickles was get unbelievable. Get out of here. It was unbelievable. I made Don Rickles cry. We were just talking about this this morning. Because I, well, I just talked about it in here. Last, it, hour? here mm-hmm. last hour. Last uh, hour. That I, that, you know, that I, I said, hey, you know, I saw you on Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzari playing that character Willie Hatch. And everybody hated the comedian. And he has a nervous breakdown at the end. I said, that was some great acting, Don. And he teared up and said, that's so nice of you to say that. Hmm. He just, he, It was so sweet. It was unbelievable. And did, then, he,
7: did he bust your balls, too?
0: No, he was, it it kind of put him in a situation where he just was so grateful that somebody thought he was a good actor. Wow. But he was, what a gentleman. And then Rodney Dangerfield was honest to God. (laughs) I found out later in the day after I, I interviewed Rodney that he had been driving down the street in a rental car and he saw this woman and hit on her and tried to get her, you know, to get in the car. It was my wife. Get out of here! <laughs> he did not. Oh, get yes. out of
2: here! He didn't try to get me in the car.
0: Well, he was hitting on but you. But he was
4: hitting
7: on you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that she clarifies, That's he a... didn't actually have sex with yeah. <laughs> me. That's the whole More argument.
4: More than one. <laughs>
7: That's the <a>
4: whole <laughs> argument.
7: Wow, Rodney, uh, I wish I had gotten a chance to work with, uh, or just even interact with him. I... I got to do an event. They opened a Rodney Dangerfield Institute 2 years yeah. ago in oh, Los yeah. Angeles where you can learn how to be a comedy writer oh. or a comedy performer. And at the grand opening of the Rodney Dangerfield Institute, we did a there was a live stage performance of Back to School. Right. And Brad Garrett played Rodney's character. Yeah. And yep. Brad Garrett uh, does an amazing Rodney Dangerfield does. He? And they had Paul like Rodriguez, that. they had an all-star cast and they asked me to read for Professor Turgisson, which was Sam Kinnison's
0: uh, oh, character. Oh, yeah. Did they want you to do it as Sam?
7: Yeah, they, and I did it as Sam. That's I, actually, I, I got up in Brad Garrett's face and screamed at him.
4: Say it! Say it! Say it!
7: And Brad and I had never met each other before. He actually booked me within two days, he booked me to headline the Brad Garrett's really? Comedy Club in Vegas. In uh, Vegas, yeah. In oh, Vegas. Right. And uh, yeah. Great he, guy. Man, we got along famously. And um, uh, Sam Kinison, by the way, I know I'm going down multiple holes no, here, fine. It's a good but I always think about moments that I, uh, there's moments that stick out of my mind as, as rare moments that I think, wow, that's really special. There used to be a half-hour show on late night on TV after Carson and after Letterman with Bob Costas. He used to do a show called Later, yeah, where he I did a 30-minute you know. interview. And everybody that Bob talked to invariably would stop and go, how did you know that? They, yeah. He really seemed to do his homework mm-hmm. on these people that he had on. And he had Sam Kinison on his show. And I thought, what the hell is Bob Costas going to know about Sam Kinison? Bob says... Sam, I used to watch you back at the comedy store, back in the early 80s. And back then, your entire act was yeah. based on that day's obituaries. And I remember thinking, you know what? This guy's brilliant, but he's never going to make it because he's too dark. dark. And Sam sure. stopped and went, oh, man, how'd you... yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I used to. Uh... And he explained the bit. And this is Dark. Apparently, Sam said, I, "I used to go on stage, and uh, be, before I had had an act, I would say, I would, I would grab the obituaries from that day's newspaper, and I go on stage and I go, I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thanks for supporting stand-up comedy. I'll tell you a couple people that you won't be seeing here tonight. <laughs> and he would start reading off the names of people who just died, and go like uh, Esther Goldberg." No, she she didn't catch the bus. She's not here. But uh, apparently, if you want to see Esther's work, you can see it this Sunday Aww. at Evergreen. And that, it was insane. Aww. It was so dark. Not it was surprise, so though. so dark. But Rodney, um, I got to meet uh, Rodney's widow. I got to, oh, she's a sweetheart. She yeah. is a sweetheart. Yeah. She actually invited me to come over to the family home and showed me. Books and books of Rodney's television appearances. Mm-hmm. He wrote down his sets word for word really? for every set that he did on The Tonight Show. Um, he And the notes were amazing. The very top of the page would say, what a crowd, and in parentheses, times two. Yeah. So he'd go, yeah. what a
0: crowd, what a crowd.
7: <laughs> <laughs> and he, there was that much thinking that went into what he did. And as I went back and researched the movie to get ready to do the role in the live stage reading, it just hit me how perfect Rodney Dangerfield was. He was oh, God. so relatable. Amazing. Even to uh, uh, successful people. You could relate to this never catching a break
6: and mm-hmm. getting no respect. Right. Yep. You know? You know, it's it, it's interesting that a lot of the oh, only time. Oh, wait, I get break here. Could you, you I hold it? For I hold it. hold Yeah, this I is a good one. one. Hold my ear
0: <laughs> Ralph Basham in two minutes. Ralph Greg
6: is again. about to say something
0: shocking be <laughs> <and laughs> <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> Stay tuned or go to kissonline.com. Click on my codpiece. I'll tell you what he says. <laughs> Back in two minutes. <laughs> Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
1: Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: It's Tom Bernard with North American Banking Company CEO and my buddy, Michael Bilski. Michael, let's say somebody has a plan to expand their business this year. How can North American Banking Company get that job done?
6: At North American Banking Company, we'll take time to understand the customer's needs and wants Who's better than you? That's what I want to know. You I still are. never
0: liked you though. You are. No, nah, never. Don't try to make up. I don't like <laughs> Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and an equal housing lender. Now we're talking. Ladies and gentlemen, segment two, Craig Gas in Studio. He is at uh, New Hope Cinema Grill Thursday night, two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday, and then he's at the Red Carpet, St. Cloud, on Sunday for Father's Day.
7: Yeah, for Father's Day, I'm doing uh, all the tickets are available at getgas.com. Getgas
6: with two S's dot com.
0: I like it. Ralph Basham was asking a question.
6: Well, off, off air, we were talking about how just how great a comedian uh, Rodney Dangerfield was. And I remember I grew up in a, I grew up in a wasp. You know, ultra white uh, household, and I when I was about ten or twelve years old, I saw Rodney Dangerfield on the Ed Sullivan Show. Oh, oh man! God. And I saw this this New York Jew, and I looked at him and I go, "This is the best thing I have ever heard in my life." I was a lifelong fan. Yeah, yeah. we were at the Laugh Factory. Oh, this has been set right before right before he passed. Oh yeah, at the Laugh Factory. And we're there. We're seeing some comedians. Great show. And and uh, the MC says, uh, "We have a special guest tonight. We have, we have Roddy Dangerfield." And Roddy Dangerfield's in the crowd. He gets up on stage. He comes up on stage. Shorts on, black socks. The uh, white all, old man shoes at the time. And he, he's got this loose kind of shirt. You know, just really loose, unbuttoned down. You know, three or four buttons. The hair sticking out. He's a little disheveled, and he go, and he goes and he he starts warms up the crowd. Yeah, he, just, and all of his standard kind of jokes warms yeah. the crowd up. Yeah, reaches into his pocket, pulls out a sheet that was torn out of a spiral notebook, spiral oh. ring notebook. Yeah, with jokes he was going to use on the Tonight Show in a couple of nights. Wow! Yeah. So this man really worked at this craft. I mean, it was it was like so many professionals. I mean, he had he had written these jokes and he said, "Well, I got to try these jokes out because when you when they tell them there, sure. everybody kind of laughs in the audience." But you you want you want to, you know, move the move the mark. Yeah. So he goes and he reads through these jokes and he hits so many he hits that timing. He hits that timing. People are laughing. People are laughing. He comes up to the last one. He hits that punchline. There's not a sound in the house. Oh, not a sound. He looks out. He goes, really? He says, I thought that was the best one. Wow. I mean, it was just, to, to just see an insight for someone of that stature right? to expose himself to that vulnerable, be vulnerable. yeah. yeah. Wow. To do that, I mean how bomb. important that well how important <laughs> that is for comedians to do that because Jay Leno worked at the at the uh, uh, Hunting, comedy and magic but, club in, in Huntington yeah. Huntington Beach he did yep. every week he did an, I went I saw him there he did an hour hour and a half yep every Sunday every Sunday yep you know it was a for so pe- it's people that are really good really work at it they're writing they're thinking they're trying they're and then they're retrying rewriting and tre- retrying you know you, in that process and I have. In the past, I, comedians, I always thought, which, what would that the only job, the reason they're doing this? Because that's the only job they could get. They're right. goose, goose in school. No, true. Well, some yeah. of them are like and, that. And yeah. the pe- and, oh, but the yeah. people I've met who are truly successful really work. And yeah. they have an incredible yeah, work do. and they have an incredible intellect. And that's in every line of work. Yeah. Like you yeah, see, No true. different.
7: I noticed that successful people um, in all different formats of the entertainment business and all the different corners of the entertainment business are always open to suggestion and they work really hard at what they do and they um, uh, they usually will... Uh, pick up the phone, you know, and it's it's a well, it's I guess not maybe not everybody I can think of, but but they're but it is uh, something they they put energy into and and, and dedicate uh, as a craft. Can I curse on this podcast? Sure. Okay, because I got a big one.
0: <laughs> well, Cassie can edit it. This is also on radio stations around the yeah, state, but edit. she'll she'll edit it before. Okay, it goes she can edit it. Off. Okay.
7: Yeah. Um, I do remember being at an open mic once with Mitch Hedberg. And Mitch uh, did, uh, I think we each had five minutes, so Mitch did three minutes, and then he pulled out a a sheet that he had ripped from a legal pad, and he said, these are are some jokes that I just wrote that I want to try out right now. And he started with the first one that just kind of went, missed. (laughs) And then he tried the second one, missed the mark again. Mm -hmm. Some girl in the oh, back and this is the most out of character Mitch story you'll ever hear some girl in the back of the room said try the back of the paper <laughs> oh and Mitch looked out it was so disruptive the way this woman yelled it out that Mitch looked in the back of the room to where that voice was coming from flipped over the paper and said oh yeah the back of the paper says tell that cunt in the corner to shut the <laughs> fuck up
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: never heard Mitch
7: act like that before or since, but yeah, yeah, that's a crap. I I don't want to get derailed, though, because Tom was starting to say, uh, he said that his two favorites that he got to talk to were Don Rickles and Roddy Dangerfield. You started to say there were two guys who come up in the category of least favorite or just did or missed yeah. their mark on the show. And you started to say one of them was a guy who used to be on SNL and his name was Rich something. You Rich, can't remember his last name. Was it Rich Hall? Yeah, there was a guy named Rich Hall. Yeah. yeah. I, that he, was actually my second guess was Rich Hall. Oh. When he, when he said before, I was thinking, maybe you're thinking Rob Schneider because I know he has that reputation. No, no, but what Rob's happened with
0: Rich Hall? Rich Hall came in. He sat in the studio. And the whole time he was on the air, he didn't say a word. He read the newspaper. Get... Out loud or you no. just wow. sat there reading the newspaper. He wouldn't even look up. Oh. Like, okay, that's mm. really great. That's that's wonderful. Why wow. waste
2: everybody's time? Why wow. show up?
0: Joe from Louisville just texted me, but this guy, well, he's trying to do comedy. He doesn't qualify as a comedian, but Jeremy Piven is the biggest prick I've ever met. I've first. heard that
7: from a few people.
0: Because oh, oh, Jeremy Piven right now is yeah. going to
7: comedy clubs all over the yes, United States. He is is right? he really? And he's doing, he's, he's making himself available for uh, radio interviews to yes. promote these gigs. But he's terrible. And I'm hearing that from well, radio people all over the country. He's trying
2: to salvage his reputation, I'm guessing. Maybe. Well, and
0: not doing a good job of it. Yeah. Well, Put it this way: Like Craig Gas comes to town, and your opening act is Catherine, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you're both in studio. Yep. So I'm interviewing both of you. I'm not gonna leave somebody just ignore them. Yep. At the end, he stands up and goes, "You know, maybe you should interview me because I'm the star."
4: <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> no, <laughs> oh,
5: yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Diva! don't you know <laughs> who I oh, am? Oh
7: my wow. God! Wow. And oh, I told that him. Is a-
0: bummer i told him i'll give you a head start and then i'm coming after you oh (laughs) what a jerk wow that is Uh, a bummer and the other guy that was a complete pain in the ass was a guy named colin kane i think was his name you know what's weird i've heard this from another radio guy and i can't remember where but
7: but there was at least one other person who said to me i didn't like colin kane it was terrible really
0: after i interviewed him he went to the airport, got on the plane, and left town. He never even did the weekend. Really? No, he just he blew it. Up for, I don't know. The guy, he said, you know, uh, I don't feel like being funny today. And I said, so far you're doing a great job. <laughs>
4: right? Right. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> We're he playing ball. in
0: the least. But he went on and on and on about how he uh, he doesn't usually do radio. And I just, you oh, know, no. I get so many people to show up just going on Twitter. I don't need radio. And I said, why would you come in here then? I don't really understand. And he, I said, get lost. So he got up and went to the airport and flew back home. Never wow. made the Rick
4: Price's house of comedy. Feeding. I, oh, <laughs> I don't
0: understand that,
7: and I, I don't, I don't either. I don't understand how how uh, how that perception happened, where people thought, well, radio is a certain style of radio. There's only one style, and they and they describe what used to be called the morning zoo style yeah, uh, of yeah. radio, which. Um, You know, I'm a fan of radio, I love radio, but I also do something that lends itself so perfectly to radio that that I can do voices and I can do, you know, just to reset the clock on this, this is, uh, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I've always been able to do any voice that I hear because of how I grew up. My whole family Mm -hmm. is deaf and growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk from my family. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV. And when someone like Tom understands when I say to him, can I come on during Super Bowl week and just come in as a bunch of different celebrities it was saying awful things? And Tom said, that would be great. Yeah. And he understands that everyone's going to be driving going, oh, holy
0: of course they're here. It's the Super Bowl. Why they here? Everybody thought they were all in studio. Yeah, that, that Tracy oh, Morgan great. was in the studio. And
7: and I'm trying to give it away. Alton. I'm trying to show my hand by saying, well, yeah. Tom says, what are you going to be doing in New Hope, Tracy Morgan? Um,
4: well, I'm hanging out <laughs> with, with
7: Craig Gass. Craig doing a comedy show inside New Hope. I'm going to be in the parking lot making a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to see comedy? Go inside the New Hope Cinema Grill. You want to be in a movie called Men in Bad? Come out <laughs> to the white handy van in the parking lot and bring your own shoehorn. And, uh, and people showed up to the club looking for a white handy van oh, in the parking oh, lot. Yes. And, yeah, as Christopher off. Walken, I was saying. And then, I, and I, I already said this on the air on KQ a couple days ago, but one of the voices I did, the driving, I just feel comfortable doing the voice was of Tom Arnold, uh, who has a history here in Minneapolis. He and does. as Tom Arnold, I spent uh, the entire broadcast going, man. You know, uh, all these uh, celebrities uh, coming into town. It's. Uh, I was actually at a cocaine anonymous meeting last night uh, with Fran Tarkenton. I know this is hard to believe, but Fran loves crack cocaine. I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but Fran loves crack. And his sponsor is uh, is uh, is uh, OJ Simpson, who's you know addicted to murdering people, and uh, you know whatever. And I I kept naming any sports guy I could think of off the top of my head, and putting them in a cocaine anonymous meeting, in an alcoholic (laughs) anonymous meeting, in a sex addicts meeting, and uh, after we got done with that broadcast, the real Tom Arnold got flooded with angry tweets saying, hey, a-hole, it's supposed to be anonymous. How about you keep your mouth shut? And Tom Arnold fought everybody and said, hey, uh, did you notice that Sam Kinnison was on the air? That guy's been dead for 20 years, you moron. That's a comedian. His name's Craig ass and he's performing a new hope, you jerk. And, uh, oh, and I loved Fantastic. it. And I love doing, I, I, you know, I, I would actually like to come back and do that. But... You know, if you had time at the end of this week I'd love to come in and do more of that that is so oh, much you fun yeah, you absolutely to, to just should. come in and, and just come on as characters that can they don't have to be the focus of the whatever the the each break is about mm-hmm. they can just be in the background chiming in on all the stories and everything that's being discussed and everybody can take their own angle anything you say Gene Simmons will say I can make money off that Any, <laughs> anything that, I have uh, made money off that anything that you're discussing yeah. on the air Tracy Moore Morgan can come in and go. I can have sex with that. You know, it's like everybody can have their own angle of how they respond to everything. So I love, love radio for that. But um, I do too. It's uh, it is fascinating to me how many people misunderstand the, the power that radio has, and um, yeah, it
0: still does. Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
7: Yeah, and it's uh, and also by the way, when I mentioned that era of radio where it was drugs it was, everywhere, yeah. like how do you how did you survive that
0: era? I didn't do drugs ever. Never. I was not. I smoked a little pot. That was about it. And I was never a cocaine guy. Even in the record business, it was everywhere. Really. But I had the thing about that was weird about the, the record business is, is the drinking did get out of control. There's yeah. no doubt about that because you would come into a party like Boz Kags was in town one time. I got a call. Hey, Boz having a deal at his uh, at his hotel suite. So come on over. And I went over there, and I walk in. They said, what, "What do you want to drink?" And I said, oh, no, excuse me, I was on the phone still, and they said, well, what, what do you want to drink? I said, yeah, just a couple of Heineken to be good. I get there, and the entire tub is full of Heineken. Really? And it's not just we'll get a six-pack. is like fill the thing up, and I'm the only one that was drinking it. I mean, it's like, you know, like, okay, well.
6: <laughs> I didn't drink it all. Ah, damn
0: it. Way to social responsibility <laughs> there. But, yeah, it, it was a different era, man. And did
7: you... Did you end up working with people who struggled with addictions? and that, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, and, and there were just, I think that people like me who have that personality are just different than other people yeah. who, who don't understand it. And it's amazing. There, there was a guy in Fort Myers, Florida that I met years ago when I first got clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a heart attack.
4: Uh, oh yeah. God! Really? <laughs>
0: well, that'll do it. Yeah, I, <laughs> think that... I should slow down. Well, and, oh, and here's man. how old were you?
7: I was 32 when I had the heart attack, wow. and then uh, and here's the really ridiculous thing: I got sober on the two-year anniversary of my heart attack. <laughs> well, <Wow. So, laughs> yeah, yeah that's good. I, the, the heart attack scared me straight for a long time. Yeah. I was in a really uh, unhealthy relationship with this crazy, crazy girl, and I relapsed to get back at her. Stupid um and uh and then i got on the two-year anniversary a light bulb came on mm. and sadly by the way in that first year that i got clean you know that was i lost seven of my friends seven oh, uh, seven. Oh, my seven of my God. friends died in the first year they got clean all comedians well that's sobering four drug overdoses and three drinking and driving car accidents yeah. and that yeah. you oh, the, the sobering is the perfect word because each one of those deaths mitch was the first yeah. each one of those deaths made me go wow i, I can't really turn around now but there's a guy in fort myers who i met uh who i'd heard he had uh he had, a, he had a, a huge reputation for being a very popular local radio show host okay. he was also a popular uh drug addict uh it was it was known that he struggled with drug addiction and by the time I got to this show, it was two of the three guys that used to be apparently this powerhouse show that mm-hmm. used to dominate the ratings in Fort Myers, Florida. Right. And I became fast friends with these two guys. And they told me, man, if you think this show is fun, we're missing our captain. Uh, this guy, he was the, he's the mayor of this town. Everybody loves him. But unfortunately, he's got some problems with drugs. I also had problems at the time, so um, I didn't make any judgment about it. And then I came back a couple years later and found out that this guy was now clean and sober. and oh, good. And I was newly sober. I think I was three or four months sober at the time, and I met the guy. And he and I bonded. And he actually gave me a book and wrote a little inscription on it and said, I, I think it helped me. I think this book will help you. And I was really happy to meet him. Uh, I felt a strong connection to him. And uh, a year later, uh, these guys were given a second chance at life. They used to be the big morning show in town, but by the time this, this captain of the team came back, right. they were put on afternoon drive. Oh, yeah. And, but they were doing so well that they were moved to mornings. And apparently the numbers oh. jumped as soon as they started, and they started crushing in Fort Myers again. And after the first book that came out that showed their numbers were great, the guy disappeared. Oh, yeah. No one saw him for yeah. five or six days. Couldn't uh. reach him by phone. Couldn't, you know. Uh, apparently, one of the co hosts on the show actually went to a drug dealer's house Ooh. and threatened the guy's life and said, if I see my buddy here, I'm, I'm coming after you. I know I know you got something to do with this. And uh, he finally called in and said, hey, guys, sorry, I, I messed up. I'm, I'm back on drugs again. And he was dead within a month or two oh. after that. Oh, and, um, and he died on the day that I got one year clean. God. And uh, I went to Florida. I found out where he was, uh, where he was buried. And I put my coin.
0: Yeah, you're, you're in the crown. Silver coin? Yeah, yeah. In the
7: crown. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. And because uh, <clears throat> he helped me, he helped me get to uh-huh. where I needed to go.
0: Sabre, and Bryant, whatever it takes. It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutrimost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months, thanks to the Sheehy brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutrimost, and I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me, having a coach keeps you accountable, and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the ultimate wellness and weight loss program powered by Nutramos help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutramos free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from clients submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress through the Nutramos weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details.
7: amazing how many talented people that you will meet in life, in radio, in comedy, who you go, man, this guy's on his way, but they can't get out of their own no, way. No, no doubt about that. Drugs, anything. They just, you know, m- maybe a lack of motivation, a lack of focus. They can't get out of their own way.
0: Well, I think part of that might be, like, remember the first time or the first week you walked out on, uh, on stage and saw you know several hundred people and you go they're here to see me yeah that's a hell of an impact on a human being man sure you walk and go they're all here to see me and it, it does bother you a lot yep. you like why do i well, well, start questioning
6: yourself well the pressure but that's a real thing
0: pressure but tom is also bringing up
6: something
7: that's it's a really good point i was always aware of what people thought you know when when you hear somebody who says you know they don't like you or through other friends you find out somebody doesn't like you for one reason or another and uh, if 3 or 4 of your friends look at you and go man that that guy really hates you then that guy probably hates you yeah Friend. and then to see because something changed in my life that person
0: now wants to be my friend. We'll just roll through. Okay. We'll throw the, we can do that, can't we? Cassie, just roll through to 30 and then edit in mm-hmm. the... Okay, good. Just keep going. That's good. Sorry. Years later to... That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, years later to find
7: out that the same person who, for whatever reason, doesn't like you as a person, now right, wants to be right. your friend, Yeah. you sit yeah. there and go, well, wait a second. I, I, I know you don't like me. But now because I'm doing really well in this area of my life, yeah. you want to hang out with me. Yeah, And I would yeah. have people that, again, I know they don't like me. I've heard the stories. They never approach me. They were never friendly to me. And I would hear through the grapevine, well, that guy doesn't like you for this reason or that reason. And that person would years later come to me and go, Man, I am so proud of you, man. I, I was telling my girlfriend, hey, I've known that guy <laughs> since the beginning. That's wow. yeah, a dude, different deal. And, then, and I knew man, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so happy for you. You know, you have people that you just and you just you do start to question like, man, this is weird because I know you're not being sincere. I know you right, don't like me. Right. So it does mess with you when you wonder like, you know, why are these people here to see me? your own insecurities come to the surface about, you know, I've actually oh, talked yeah. to Louie Anderson about this a lot. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, about sometimes when you, you you can sometimes not feel good about yourself and be standing on stage in front of a crowd of people that are just laughing and, mm-hmm. and cheering and then, you know, for whatever reason you might feel something inside that just doesn't line up with that. But um, but now,
2: it if, seems like a lot of comedians have a lot of, you know, issues. Yeah. In, they're insecure, Yeah. they're this way. I think you have to give some people just some latitude because, like you said, if maybe they were doing a lot of drugs and they met you and you're sober and they're mm-hmm. jealous of your sobriety. Yeah. It could be anything.
7: Yeah, I think over time, I've, I mean, I'm a pretty happy person for no other reason than the fact that I, my, my compass has always been set to, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, yeah. knowing that has always <clears> kept <throat> me deeply appreciative For little things in life, friendships, uh, a good meal with a friend or a couple friends that you care about, laughter, uh, sunsets, uh, there's just little things that I appreciate so much about life, and even bad moments in life, I just find a way... And maybe it's because I grew up in a deaf family, and, and we learned how to laugh at the... Uh, at that handicap You were tell me what your oh. sister said it was
0: hilarious My sister I should explain that both your parents And your sister were deaf Yes And the
7: way it happened is My mom was born completely deaf From a birth defect mm-hmm. My dad was born with all of his hearing Lost it as a kid He got into an accident That popped out mm-hmm. his eardrums He, had, oh, he wow. had to go to deaf schools For the rest of his life mm-hmm. So he met my mom At an all deaf high school in New York They have my sister first My sister's born with my mom's genes Completely deaf and then I'm born with my dad's genes, with all my hearing, so I'm the only one in my family who can hear. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of interesting things that <laughs> happened there. Number one, true, being yeah. the only person that could hear, I ended up being the interpreter for my mom for her divorce. Oh god! Uh, when I was oh. four years old, uh, and I, I was four, and, and it, oh, wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't. I didn't go to court with my mom. This was uh, when she had to talk to lawyers. <laughs> Deaf people now have a, have this um, way to communicate with the outside world where they use something yeah. called a relay service. They contact a relay service, and it's an operator who can contact the outside world and vice versa. But before that, she had someone in the house who could hear, and she'd say, I need you to make these phone calls for me. And I'm four years old getting this huge vocabulary lesson. Plus, my mom is standing on top of me going, tell him your father's a son of a bitch. And I was like, hey, you got <laughs> screw this guy. I'll help you, Mom. And, uh, uh, but my sister, oh, uh, I always say, like people get sensitive when I talk about growing up in a deaf family. Meanwhile, the most insensitive deaf jokes I've ever heard were from my own deaf family. My sister last year, I threw my sister a surprise birthday party. and uh, Which you can argue everything to deaf people is a surprise but I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister at dinner my sister is sitting across the table from me she's signing to me in in sign language and she says do you want to hear a good joke and I said sure <laughs> and then she said <laughs> me too and I was like oh,
4: God! What
7: the hell? Like, oh my God! And I remember saying to her like, "That's a good joke," and she went, ah, eh, that old deaf joke." Like, she thought it was like a hacky deaf joke, and I went, "No, that's a great joke." It a great like, joke. But I've always been somebody who appreciates uh, even failures in life because I know that failures are great lessons, and I personally get a huge kick out of bad shows. Even hearing about a bad show, you know, like. I I did a show once in Oklahoma, was it, yeah, it was Oklahoma City. I had a guy opening for me in Oklahoma City who, he's on stage, and I can tell there's something going on on this side of the stage that this guy is distracted by. He keeps, he's doing his set, but he keeps looking down, and then finally he just stopped and went, ma'am, am am, am I that ugly that you won't even look at me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, she won't even look me in the face, like, what are you, freaking blind or something? Oh, God. Oh, are you blind? Oh, my God. And the whole crowd freezes. And the guy makes one of the biggest rookie mistakes. He tries to go back into his act
4: Uh, and says,
7: uh, so you guys ever go to Walmart and everyone, who cares about Walmart? You (laughs) just make fun of a blind woman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nobody's laughing except Uh, for me and two other comedians in the back who are laughing our asses off. At the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my favorite bombing story unfortunately didn't happen to me <laughs> it happened to dane cook um i feel like i heard it drop in the audio can you still hear me okay yep mm-hmm. um dane cook had a story about a club we all started at in new york it was in new york but it was called the boston comedy club it was it's actually featured on the tv show crashing now on hbo and dane had an amazing story about being on stage one night on a tuesday night at 1 30 in the morning he's performing for six people
4: oh. Oh, It's God.
7: everyone in this room Is six the comedy crowd people. Oh, Six wow. people One of the six people It should be noted Had all of their groceries On the table <laughs> 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 People walk by in front of the comedy club. Hey, comedy show, come on, comedy show, no cover. And the guy's like, eh, I got my groceries. I'll help you with the groceries.
4: Come on let me get it. Here, just two
7: drink minimum. Come on, like, you know. So the bouncer helps this guy with his shopping bags and puts it on the table and lets the guy sit down and watch the comedy show. <laughs> Dane Cook is bombing. He's got no energy from this crowd. One of the audience members, who is hammered, gets up, starts stumbling to the restroom, closes the door and starts violently vomiting in the bathroom to where the other five people in the room are, are, they can't watch Dane, they're they're worried about this guy, because they keep hearing
4: Uh,
7: and then the noise finally stops, there's a pause before they hear the toilet flushes, the guy comes back out, starts stumbling back over to his seat, Dane is just standing on stage watching him and he goes, are you okay?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
7: are you are, do you feel okay? Are you and the guy goes, Oh no, I just I had some bad comedy. And everyone goes oh, <laughs> <yeah>! <laughs> The crowd starts high-fiving each other. The guy with the groceries is throwing his groceries in the air. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just owned him. They just oh, owned wow. him, and I, I, I just—oh my comedy. god! If you can't like laugh that. at that and go, yeah. you know what? That's just an awesome moment. That, that, was, that you know, was I, a
5: great comeback. You have to enjoy <laughs> moments like that.
7: So. I, I think the name of this episode should be "Craig Never Shuts Up." This is uh, no, I, no, I think I, it's a
0: great segment. I, I, I apologize. You know, while you were talking about you know radio and people in radio and, and all that stuff, we were talking. You were talking about that. While you were talking about that, I got a bunch of text messages. Uh-oh. Uh oh. The the program director sends me three text messages. Uh oh. Because the book just came out. The spring book just came out. Awesome! Woohoo! Fuck yeah! <laughs> wow! Then I get another one from the sales department. Nice month. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like nothing will ever change, no, man. Yeah,
2: your sales department will never kiss your wait, butt. Wait a minute! <laughs> you
0: don't have a one hundred share? What's no, the problem? No wow! Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, like,
7: it's it just... amazing. It's yeah. it's really amazing. The different uh, the, and I'm always obsessed with those mechanics and all those. Uh, uh, different things going on behind the scenes, which is why I love hearing stories about right. beyond what I listen to on the radio. What is your perspective? What, what, what did you wish you had more of from one guy or another? And and who came in and blew your socks off that really knew how right. to, you know. I mean, the stories about Rodney, uh, Norm McDonald had an amazing story that was similar to yours about just seeing him show up one night, except that Norm was at the improv the day that... Rodney Dangerfield got married Rodney actually went from his wedding in a tux to the improv to do a set and Jeez. and I wish I could remember the entire bit that he did because Norm described it but I just remember the first line so Rodney walks in with his bride wearing a wedding dress they go ladies and gentlemen uh, he just straight from his wedding please welcome Ron A Place goes nuts. He's got his tux. And he goes, yeah, I just got married. The whole place is going crazy. And he goes, yeah, there's this my wife right there. Give her a round of applause. And, and his wife stands up in her gown and waves. Everybody's cheering. And then as the applause starts to go down, Ronnie goes, yeah, but she's no prize. <laughs> He starts bagging on her. And it was like, oh my God. Like he just still stuck to being a comedian. He was still gonna yeah. make jokes. And he just bagged he just begged on her for twenty minutes and about his marriage. We got a
0: minute to go, but I gotta tell you a 30 second story, Please. and then we'll do the closer. Jeff Cesario. Yes. Walking down the street with Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> in New York. Okay. Right? Seinfeld, Cesario walking down a the street, they run into Rodney Dangerfield. And <laughs> Seinfeld says, Rodney, I want to introduce you to a new young man in comedy. He does a great job. He's wonderful. Meet Jeff Cesario. And Rodney says, Cesario, huh? <laughs> Stick to the tumbling. You <laughs> need <laughs> <laughs> to be an acrobat.
4: I love that. That is
0: one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. In my life. Craig Gass, ladies and <clears throat> gentlemen. Thursday night, the show at New Up Cinema Grill, Friday and Saturday, two shows, 7 or 9 o'clock. And then what's Showtime up in uh, red carpet in St. Cloud on Sunday? I
7: want to say it's 7 p.m. on Sunday, 7 or 7.30. And all the info is at GetGas.com. Get gas with two S's. And uh, there may be some celebrities in Minneapolis who might be stopping by your show later this week. Who, uh, who think, knows? Yeah. Sure, well, you know,
0: with the big celebration of the month of June. Sure. With summer arriving
4: flag and all Flag coming up.
0: That's when everybody wants to <laughs> yeah,
7: be here.
4: Flag day. Was, yeah. we'll be here for flag day. Oh man. Yeah, Nobody brings in more celebrities than flag right. day.
0: <laughs> That's going to do it. We'll talk to you on Monday with the family.